Good day. Welcome to the Green Industry Pros podcast on what type of employees your ads attract. This is William Eastman, author of the series Quit Making the Labor Crunch Worse and Program Director for Oral Life Radio. And uh, today's show is we're going to do an overview of a series of articles that we've been doing for Green Industry Pro uh, called Quit Making the Labor Crunch Worse. And today is uh, Article 4 in that series. In fact, we'll be highlighting that in the upcoming uh, Green Industry Pro magazine. And that article is, How Do You Really Write a Help Wanted Ad Without Attracting Rental Winos? Yes, interesting topic. Anyway, let me overview where we've been over the last three articles and the last three podcasts. And so the whole issue started with one conversation we were having with the editorial staff at Green Industry Pros about the, probably the number one pressing problem today for landscape companies, and that has to do with employment. Uh, actually, most of the companies that we have encountered have sufficient employees, uh, excuse me, have a sufficient sales uh, to grow the company, but they don't have the employees that deliver the work. And so what we started doing is drilling down on what that issue was, and uh, myself, William Eastman, and my partner, who is the president of Green Market Consulting Group, we're talking about our experience in the industry. And so one of the first questions we asked ourselves is, is this self-imposed or is this a real issue? Um, and I happen to think that even though there may be a labor shortage, in fact, there is in a lot of industries, um, many times it is self-imposed because if you think about it, nobody has a nursery out back where they're grown employees. I mean, if that was the case, then uh, all landscape companies will own a nursery. And instead of growing woody shrubs or plants, uh, we would grow people. That's not the case. That in fact, there are good people out there. The problem is they're not working for you. They're working for somebody else. So the thing I want you to ponder is that this curve of distribution that you've seen, you know, where you got everybody in the center, two thirds are in the center and you got people out on the wings. The deal is in any population, in any industry, you get a curve of distribution. You got really bad people on one end, you got really good people on the other end, and you got the mass of humanity in the middle. And the deal is the good people are there, the people who want to be in the industry. Now, what my experience has been is landscapers don't define the industry as a profession. What a lot of them are doing and have been doing and are continuing doing right now, and especially if you've got a labor shortage uh, you may be engaged in, is any warm body will do. And so what happens is you wind up trading uh, basically time for money, and people come work for you as long as uh, the deal isn't that bad. And the second somebody comes along and offers them a better deal, well, unfortunately, what they're going to do is they're going to move on. And so the issue is, is that am I, in fact, creating an organization that is based upon the fact that landscaping is a profession and that I am seeking those individuals and that I'm not only looking for people that are potentially uh, people that I want to uh, hire, but also am I, am I turning this into an organization, into a, into a profession, because I've got a greater chance of tracking people to it, especially if they can see some upward, upward mobility. And so that was kind of the premise of how we started this. So this article here um, has to deal with how am I out there approaching this whole topic area. Now, if you want more information on the first three topics, then my recommendation is go to Green Industry Pro 
uh, magazine and take a look at the articles that we've done in the series. Uh, but for today, what I want to do now is, since I've built the case uh, to this point uh, about what I need to do with it, is that when I create this ads, really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to attract people to the business. Have I laid the groundwork sufficient enough that it's already there? Okay. Um, do I have a reputation in the community as such that nobody would work for me? I uh, recently, recently, it was 18 months ago, did a turnaround of a business. And one of the, my first challenges was I couldn't hire. And it's not because I didn't offer competitive wages or competitive salary. I couldn't hire because everybody knew the reputation of the company and therefore uh, nobody wanted to work for us. And it took me quite a while to kind of change that. In fact, what I had to do with money is bribe people to come work for us, which is uh, not a place you want to go because these were entry-level jobs and I didn't have the budget to bribe them. So here's what we want to do. We want to look at three articles, three issues that we're going to cover here um, at length. First is, what is your reputation in the community? <clears throat> Are you attracting the wrong people? Uh, does the line out of line of job candidates outside your door resemble a police lineup? Or worse is don't even show up in that you've scheduled it and they're not there. Uh, the second issue is what are the critical factors of the job? Have you spent the time to understand how the job fits into processes? And though we talked about this earlier, I'm gonna hit on this in, in enough detail that you'll be able to backtrack on it. Um, but do I truly know what is the necessary knowledge required? What should people know? Behavior or skills, what should they demonstrate? And then finally, what are the certifications, uh, certified arborist or somebody has a certification in uh, pesticides or even a driver's license? Do I understand all those required for the job? Because when we get into the details here is one of the things that I have to ask myself um, has to do with the fact of who is eligible and who's suitable. And those two factors are the key factors on hiring. Now, in the first part of the process, which I'm covering here, it's about eligibility. And eligibility means do they have the knowledge, the skills, and the certifications that we're talking about to do the job. I don't want to hire people unless I've got an entry-level position that basically requires showing up on time and breathing. Um, I want to know what are the minimum requirements you must have to work in this job. Then when I have that, those, that line outside my door, then I can take a look at suitability, which is an issue of of these people, even though they can work in the landscape industry, should they be working for me? Are they a fit for my company? Are they a fit for me? Are they a fit for the crews that they're going to work in? Or if they're going to lead a crew, or how do they match into that group? And so I need to understand those critical factors, okay? And then finally, the third thing is, um, how do I get beyond all the BS? How do I sift through all the truth stretching? Because you get truth stretching all the time. Um, to really get at who is capable of doing the job. Now you're going to get, you're going to get the, the kind of this, um, I don't want to call it lying, uh, but we want to exaggeration is probably the right term. You're going to get that two ways. You're going to get it writing and get it in person. Uh, next week we'll talk about, uh, or the next, excuse me, the next article, we'll talk about this, um, how to separate in the interview right now. I just want to sift through it, uh, in terms of looking at resumes. Okay, so here's what we're doing. Um, we combined everything that we've done in the earlier articles 
to basically discuss how to write killer copy, ad copy to attract people that will get the right people in the door, okay? So how do I do that? Well, first of all is how do I create a magnetic title and introduction? People look at it and it jumps out. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Number two, um, how do I put a summary of my KSCs I call knowledge, skills, certifications in that ad so that I can quickly weed out the people who just simply shouldn't be working for me and I don't want to deal with them. And then number three, and this is probably more critical than people believe, is what makes us different? What is different about this organization than anybody else? Why would they want to work for me over somebody else? Because if there is no difference, then it's all going to come down to salary and benefits. It's the same deal if you're selling a product or service out there and you and the competitors look exactly the same. There's no difference in the products or services, how to customer shop, they shop on price. Same thing here. So if there's nothing different about my company, then what's going to happen is prospective employees are going to shop on wages. And the lower in the organization I'm hiring, the less flexibility I have on wages. So what makes us different is absolutely critical. Okay. So how do I create that magnetic title, uh, title and introduction? And so the place to start is think about this conceptually about instead of thinking about what the job does, what you do, think about what the job produces and think about this in terms of results. Uh, this kind of reminds me of an old story that was told to me a long time ago when I was first getting in the business of helping companies uh, deal with personnel issues. And, and I'm going to take you back because there's probably very few people who do this anymore, but he said, he asked me, he said, what's the job of a file clerk? And I was like, a file clerk? Well, it's obvious. It's the file. And he said, nah, it doesn't matter where they stick it. What they really are, they're retrieval clerks. In other words, it doesn't matter where it's filed or how it's organized. Is if the information, when it's needed, can't be, cannot be found, then that the job is useless. And so, and we went through, we played a little game and we went through a number of those. For example, back in the day with service stations, and there are some now that are coming back and doing this, and somebody's going out there to clean your windows. What's your job? Well, if you say your job is to clean windows, that's not your job really, because what's the end result? The end result is, is to produce clear vision for the driver. Now, this is not a play on words. This is a different way of looking at the job. So what I want to do is I want to talk about what is the output that this person creates? And I think in the, in, in the landscape industry, I think you actually have an opportunity to do some creative things that in a lot of industries, it's simply not possible. So what is the end result? If somebody is working on maintenance, what, what's the end result of what they, when they're on the job? If somebody's design build, what is the end result? If somebody is in turf management, what's the end result? And I want to talk about the the job in that way because I get to use words like imaginative, creative, um, which is true. Even the guy hanging on the shovel has the opportunity to do those things, and I want to kind of inspire him to do that, okay? Now, how do, how do I go about um, getting that done, okay? Well, then you – so the moral of the story is what you want to do is you want to describe the job in terms of the value that it provides – or the results we produce or the impact on the business and not in the specific tasks that are required. So that's the first one. Then number two is put, doing that summary. 
of knowledge, skills, and certifications that are so necessary um, to be able to determine who is eligible for the job. Now, the easiest way to get at this one is, if you've done this, is take a look at the process that people work in. In other words, in any landscape industry, you, you, uh, business, you've got a series of steps. You probably have some, some pre-work where people get together in the morning and they meet and they discuss the job. And then when you get on site, there's a whole process for getting on site, setting up the job, handling safety, doing the work, staging, uh, staging supplies, and then clean up at the end, doing your final safety check, getting back in the truck. And then, of course, when you get back into the building. And so the best way of doing this is to map a process that people go through. And then as you look at each step, say to yourself, what position owns the step? It's the easiest way in the world to build a position description. And we've talked about this in some previous uh, podcasts and previous articles on Marine Industry Pro. Uh, that's the simplest way of doing it. Now, it's, if you haven't done it, it probably is the most difficult. But if you've done it, it is the easiest. Um, the second way to do this is if you've written any standing operating procedures, take a look at the SOPs, and if the SOPs don't indicate who owns the job, then make sure you go, okay, well, that's that position. This goes to this position. This one is shared to the different positions. So in both cases, I'm assembling what the tasks are because it's difficult to answer the question about knowledge, skills, and certifications if, in fact, I don't have a good handle on what's going on. Now, if I if I have not mapped the processes out, which is, you know, if I'm a company under 10 people, that's probably true. Um, if I don't have any SOPs and if I'm a company below 10 people, uh, then that's probably true too. So the third way to go is work in the default. And what I mean by work in the default is work backwards. And to say to yourself, okay, I've got this position here. If they don't, do it, we'll get fired. What are the things that they must do or we're going to get fired? What are the things they must do or they're going to get hurt or somebody's going to get hurt? What are the things they must do or we're going to be wasting equipment, material, etc.? And by working in the negative saying, if these things don't happen, we're basically hosed, then that's a different way of kind of building a position description. You can say, okay, here are the things that are required. But understand, to answer the question on knowledge, skills, and certifications, if you can't answer these questions here, then this gets really difficult. And you start guessing. And the second you start guessing on knowledge, skills, and certification requirements for the position, then what happens when you hire, then you, you typically are farther from the mark of what you need. But let's assume that you've done one of those three. And, of course, if you want, if you want to dialogue on this any further, um, then just hit us up. Every article has got my name on it, email address, and phone number. And I can give you greater details or send you some materials on how to handle that. All right, so now once we got this list, however we built it, or you have an existing PD and you go, I like it, what must people know? Now, what I'd recommend to you is keep that list short. Don't turn it into some, you know, they got another history of the world part one and two. And keep that short because for most jobs, what they know is not as important as the second one. What skills do they need? In fact, you may find it easier if you started with skills and then worked your way backwards. In other words, in order to do this job, given this list that I've made of the task or jobs, 
here are the things, behaviors they must be able to exhibit in order to successfully produce the job. And if you start there, you can then work backwards to say, okay, for each one of those, is there anything in particular they need to know? Now, the reason I'm, the reason I'm going, I'm, I'm cautious and I'm trying to get you not to look at the knowledge side of it so hard is if you make this so long and then you're going to pay 12 bucks an hour, um, people are going to go, yeah, right. You know, you basically, you want too much for what you're going to pay. The skills are usually the most important piece and say to yourself, what's the basic knowledge they have to have behind that on the certifications. It's the same deal. Um, based upon legal or insurance issues, number one, what certifications they must have, like say driver's licenses, kind of the beginning. Uh, and then anything else that's required, if they're using hazardous chemicals or any certifications with that, um, because all the pesticides are considered hazardous uh, chemicals and are managed by the EPA, or it could be the operation of equipment. Once you have those put together, that's what I'm gonna put into the body of my um, ad. So the opening of the ad is the output of the job, making it sound good. You know, we, we create these type of living experiences for our customers. And in order to do that, here's what you need to know, must be able to do, and the certifications that are going to be required to demonstrate that. And you've got that second piece of information put together. And then the third piece, and most critical here to me, um, which I think captures most people's attention is what makes us different? What makes us different as an organization? Um, you know, anybody out there can say, well, you know, we're a landscape company, but what makes you different? You know, and it could be, what good do you provide to the community? In other words, we're here and we're doing this. We're trying to make the community more beautiful. Um, if you're involved in any type of civic activities, I would definitely recommend you have it in there. You can talk about what's the long-term vision of the company. Where are we trying to take the company? Because what you want to convey to people, especially if you're looking to get somebody who is not trading time for money, is you want to convey to that individual, hey, there is a future here, and it's a future that you want to be part of. And so I want to make that clear. Also, is you may want to speak to how you deal with people. Um, in other words, how do you solicit input and information. If somebody comes work for you, they're just uh, basically a, a, you know, a strong back and a weak mind. People that come from you, you want to come work with you. You want to solicit their input. You want to make them part of that team. And so those three things that I would hit upon, again, how do they make a positive impact in the community? How do the company position itself as a market leader? Uh, number two, how do, how do you solicit the values and, um, and the knowledge of other people, their contribution to the firm. And then also, I think, goes a long way, is speaking to your commitment to excellence as an organization. Um, a long time ago, a friend of mine looked at employees and said, go back to the curve of distribution. He said, instead of having three parts of this, really good, really bad people in the middle, he said, slice it in half. Um, you got turkeys and you got eagles, okay? What you want to do is you want to keep the turkey flock down and you want to grow the eagle flock. And he said, and what's really dangerous is you got to understand you can't mix eagles and turkeys because what happens when you do is turkeys eat, I mean, turkeys served as food to eagles. Eagles eat the turkeys. 
And so what I want to try to do as much as possible is clear to people that we don't tolerate slackers. We don't tolerate um, turkeys in the organization. And so if I can do that, and I'm talking about now a single page, one page with basically three parts. And then finally, as I kind of summarize this, let's talk about what we're trying to accomplish. Go back to the beginning. And that is, I want to solicit one page resume from people. Uh, I'm not going to put my phone number on here. I'm not going to tell them how to contact me, except I'm going to give them an email address. And what I'm going to require for them to, uh, to, to apply for the job, I'm going to require that they give me a one-page resume. And what that one-page resume is going to do is basically give me the knowledge, skill, and certifications they currently possess. That's what I want to have because I don't want them calling me on the phone and I don't want them coming in yet. I don't want to talk to anybody who I don't believe is eligible, has the knowledge and skills required to work here. I don't want them here. I don't even want to spend any time with them. And so I want to receive those resumes in because then what it gives me the ability to do is it gives me the ability to sort those. And we're going to talk about sorting in the next article, but briefly, I'm going to look at through those and I'm going to create three piles. I'm going to read it and go, yep, looks like they got what's required. Put them in the S pile. Then I'm going to get some, and I'm going to look at it and go, no way. They got absolutely no qualifications for this position. Throw them in the no pile. And usually what happens if you've got more than four or five, you're going to have a couple maybes. So I create the three piles. Then I take the maybes when I'm done and I, I read them through again and using the yeses, as a standard, I go, okay, how, how do they fit the yes pile? If they don't, throw them in the no. And basically what you should have when you're done with this is you should have a pile of yeses and you should have a pile of noes. Once you got the yeses, then what you want to do is you want to respond to them by email, which means that in your resume, not only do you give them an email address to send it to, you also make sure that you know what email address, address to use to send them information because they could be working for somebody else. And so not necessarily the email address that's in the uh, uh, response email that they give you is one you may want to use. They, you, they may have something else like a Yahoo or, or a Gmail account that they use personally. And then send back to them an email saying, you have been accepted for the S-Pile that we would like to schedule an interview with you. Here is the parameters. You know, you're going to, we're going to be interviewing Monday to Friday from this time to this time, except this time, something like that. Have them then come back to you with a date and time that they would like to be interviewed. Okay. Do that for the yeses. For the noes, send them an email and, and tell them how much you appreciate the fact that they called you, um, how much that, um, that, that you, you really liked what they put on there. But on the other hand, it's just not a right mix at the moment. And then request from them whether or not that they will allow you to keep it on file. Okay. And so if you kept it on file, maybe there's another job that's going to be coming up in some recent uh, over the next couple months. And you'd like to keep them on file. So when that job comes up, I'd like to consider you for it. Um, now, that could be a lie. Uh, I'm not suggesting lie to them. On the other hand is it could be quite true. Um, and so what you, you simply want to do, um, is have that information available to you, honor the fact that they responded to you, 
with one group, thank them and keep it on file because you might use it, you might not. With the yes pile, what you want to do is you want to get them scheduled for an interview. Okay. And so those are the things that if I want to write high quality ads and we write a lot of high quality ads for, I should say high quality, that's a personal opinion. We write a lot of employment ads for our customers. We use traditional methods um, such as uh, uh, industry uh, landscapingjobs.com. We use Craigslist. We've used Facebook. We've used LinkedIn. In other words, we've used all the social media channels, and we've been pretty successful with getting high-quality candidates relative to the position by doing this because everybody who is unhappy with a position is looking for another job. They're always open. And what I want to do, this idea behind a magnetic title and all those pieces, is I want somebody to look at this and go, gee, now that's different. And man, is that interesting. And I think that I ought to, I ought to at least take action. So if nothing else, what, the, what they're going to do is they're going to send me their resume. And then that gives you the opportunity to go through that, to screen it, to build a pile of people that are eligible because the only people you want to meet, the only people you want to interview are people who can do the job. Now, the next question is, will they do the job? And uh, should they be working for you? And we'll take that up in the next article. And so that's kind of where we've been. I want to talk about um, our next article in Green Industry Pro is going to be around that whole issue. Um, Just because they can work for you, does that mean they really should? And so with that, I greatly appreciate you listening to our podcast. It's like I said, this is the fourth in our series. And with that, I wish you well. You can contact me, William Eastman, um, at uh, my Skype line is 804-433-3886. That's 804-433-3886. Or you can reach me at weastman at greenmark. Have a great business week. Until we talk again. Hey, if you're a landscape contractor or maybe an equipment dealer who does business with landscape contractors, you need to subscribe to Green Industry Pros. Green Industry Pros is a free resource for owners and managers of landscape companies and equipment dealerships. GIP's website, print magazine, and weekly emailed pro reports keep you up to date on the latest industry news and trends, new product information, business management advice, and small business success stories. I'm Greg Wartko, and I've been the editor for nearly 20 years. We recognize and respect how busy you are in running your small business. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone, but you don't have to be. Green Industry Pros can help you find the inspiration and insights to take your business to the next level. You can count on Green Industry Pros to help you cut through the clutter in today's age of information overload. Visit greenindustrypros.com to check us out and click on the green subscribe button to start your free subscription today.